Welcome in to Religionless Christianity. I'm your host, Spencer. This is my glorious wife, Nikki. And we uh, have finally made it here to episode one. Doesn't seem like it should be that big of a feat, but we took three episodes to describe who we are and why we're here. So we're finally coming with episode one, and I'm kind of excited about it. Uh, We've kind of described a little bit in those episode zeros what we want this show to be about and how we want to approach this show And this is going to kind of be the first time that we get that opportunity. So we'll see how it goes. But we got a couple of news articles here that we're going to go through today. Just reading through the news a little bit. These ones sort of stuck out to me. And my hope is that you just listen to this and don't actually go read the news yourself. Because it's god awful and depressing and you know, the old saying, I can't remember who said it, that every morning they get up and read the Bible in the New York Times just so they can see what the other side is doing. Uh, that's absolutely true with the news today. So do you have anything you want to say before we jump into these news articles? They just really are going to, well, one of them's really going to bug you. It's all. <laughs> yeah, they will. Uh, and you'll probably get a lot of that here. So if you like being annoyed subscribe and hit that notification bell like us do all that stuff and we'll annoy you on a regular basis so the first news article that we got here uh, i got it from the jerusalem post and the headline says lost biblical scroll may have been 2700 years old israeli scholars say so it opens it says a lost biblical manuscript discovered in 1878 long believed to be a forgery was authentic and likely predated the dead sea scrolls by hundreds of years making it the most ancient biblical scroll ever known in the modern era and this was said by an israeli uh, scholar professor edan dershowitz so let me just read through a little bit more of this before we um, dive into talking about it Uh, It says that in 1878, an antique dealer named Moses Wilhelm Shapira laid his hands on a bunch of artifacts that he considered very promising. So basically some members of a Bedouin tribe had uncovered what they thought appeared to be linen-wrapped ancient parchments in a cave in the desert by the Dead Sea Scrolls, or by the Dead Sea, not the Sea Scrolls. But... uh, Yeah, so these Bedouins in 1878 found this, passed it on to Shapira. And it says Shapira did not know how ancient the manuscript was, but he understood that it looked somewhat similar to the book of Deuteronomy. The finding, um, he offered it to the British Museum, which they exhibited it, and it attracted huge crowds at that time. So it, the article, which we'll have linked down in the description, go check it out. It's fascinating. But they go on to say that after it was exhibited in the British Museum, a French, uh, I can't remember what they call him, some French guy, uh, <laughs> went and said that it was a forgery. 
and he turned out to be basically kind of a a rival of this Shapira and he claimed that it was a forgery and so for a hundred years this document's been in unknown hands they don't know where it is anymore the actual document they found out they authenticated it basically through um, this professor doing research on it and just basically seeing photographs and stuff like that but the article in here says one of the reasons experts believe that Shapira had manufactured the texts was that they thought the premise of Bedouins finding scrolls in a cave was ludicrous. Yeah, it uh, sounded like too convenient. Yeah, like all yeah. oh, these nomads just stumble <laughs> on a cave with the most important documents of all time sitting in there. <laughs> but then it says, little did they know that only 70 years later, some 25,000 fragments would be uncovered in caves near the Dead Sea and what would be considered the most important archaeological discovery of all time, uh, which we know as today is the uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls, which uh, is an amazing discovery in the mm. Christian faith. So before we dive in, was there anything that stuck out to you as you were reading through this article? I don't know, just that... <laughs> so what jumped out to me right away is, uh, you know, we actually just sat down and listened to a debate not too long ago from uh, James White was debating this, uh, this Muslim professor, I'm not sure exactly who he was, on the validity of the scriptures. And, you know, James White is obviously a Christian defending the validity of Christian scripture. And, you know, one of the things that we always hear is that, like, ah, well, they weren't written during Jesus's lifetime or they were written, whatever, 70, 90 years. We don't have any of the original manuscripts. So I saw this and like, here's a manuscript, 2,700 years old, you know, and it still exists as far as we know. It was sold off, I believe, to people, the article says, and they just don't know where that article or where that actual original rests. But like that just to me speaks to the trustworthiness of our Christian text that like, you know, people love to say that, oh man, you know, we don't have the original, so you can't trust it. And that was what James White debates in this, uh, this YouTube video. And we'll link the video down in the description as well. Go check that out. But I just think it, it can build faith that the text that you're reading in your Bible is true and accurate you know they asked some of the words might have changed they might have moved a comma or made a mistake but that doesn't change the truth of the text that you're reading yeah and they said it sounded similar to deuteronomy yeah they so. said that it was close to deuteronomy what they said was fascinating is that it wasn't an exact match to deuteronomy it was shorter than deuteronomy some of the important parts were left out and this was something i just found out reading through here is that Experts recently, like as of the year 2000, came to start believing that Deuteronomy, much like the book of Mark, was kind of written two sections. Like there was the original piece of Deuteronomy and then it was added on to later. So they're thinking maybe this text was more of the first take at writing Deuteronomy, mm -hmm. which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah, so. I kinda, I'm glad you kind of clarified that. Yeah. I was having a hard time understanding what they meant by that. But then another thing, and this is more just, and we'll probably do an episode on just on the biblical text and how we have it and how it came about. But like, 
the Bible is such a fascinating document. Like it was written over a span of 2000 years by over 40 different authors on three different continents. And they all tell the exact, like one story about one Messiah mm-hmm. coming to earth. Like, and the fact that people still poo poo it and like, Oh, you know, we don't know if you can trust it. Cause they moved a comma. Like there's more proof that the Bible is true than any other historical text. Yeah. And like, everybody's like, well, man wrote it. Well, man wrote any, anything else you've read in history. So don't believe anything, I guess. Yeah. So to me, again, this article, go check it out for yourself. But I just think, you know, we all need our faith bolstered and, you know, it's hard to weather the constant onslaught from the enemy telling you, you know, the books you're reading are wrong. The people, the pastors, the teachers you're, you know, reading are lying to you, deceitful, whatever. Like it's hard to weather that storm. So you see it a little glimmer of hope here and I'll try to stay up with this news article and see where it goes. But just a fascinating little tidbit that, you know, uh, a 2,700 year old document, just again, proven that the Bible is what we thought it was true and accurate. So, all right, next story here, babe, if you want to jump into this one, it's all you. (laughs) So this article we got from the blaze, and we will also have the, um, the link in the description for this one. It was uh, Don Lemon was being interviewed on The View. Do I have that wrong? No, that's right. What? So you just... You're shaking your head. <laughs> you hear Don Lemon and you hear The View and your eyes roll. Oh. But <laughs> like, go ahead. Okay. And if you don't know, Don Lemon is a CNN anchor. Um, but... Yeah, sorry. I wasn't that familiar because I don't watch the news. <laughs> don't ever watch the news. Um, so I'm going to read this little section here. So it says, Lemon 55 made the theologically questionable comments as a guest on The View. So co-host Megan McCain quoted a comment from the Vatican saying that the church could not bless same-sex unions because God cannot bless sin and asked Lemon, who is openly gay, to respond. Do you think this sends a damaging message? How do you feel about that, given that obviously you're now engaged and going to get married? McCain asked. Well, I think there are. um, And he said, listen, I respect people's right to believe in whatever they want to believe in their God. So it just seems unclear to me, like, in their God, you know, he just... I want to stop and comma and everything. It's hard for me to just read through this without saying anything. He doesn't understand. I don't even know who God is to him. But anyway, I'll go on. He says, but if you believe something that hurts another person or does not give someone the same rights or freedoms, not necessarily under the Constitution because this is under God, he said, I think that this is wrong. And I think that the Catholic Church and many other churches really need to re-examine themselves and their teachings. Their teachings. No, they're God's teachings. That's what really got me, is he's trying to have an opinion on something he don't even know. He don't even know God. And he says, not, God is not about hindering people or even judging people. Like, who's listening to him? But I thought, like, I didn't even catch it as I was reading it the first time. But when you were saying it, like, just smacked me of, like, the total, like, 2021 
like liberal arrogance mm-hmm. where he says, I think that this, uh, I think that this is wrong. And I think that the Catholic church and many other churches really need to re-examine themselves and their teachings. Like no looking in the mirror, no like, Hey, you know what? Maybe I should look at my life according to this truth that God gave us. It's like, you should rewrite that truth because it goes against how I feel like, is that that's not 2020 liberalism? I don't know what it and is. And it's about feelings. Like he's putting people's feelings and rights, you know, fairness above what God says. Like what God says is above that. Like your feelings don't matter on it. It's just. Yeah, just, it's <laughs> just it's super frustrating. And the reason why I think this is an important thing, like. I know for, you know, us, Don Lemon doesn't really make a difference to us, but he has a voice and he's a CNN anchor. The view has an audience and, you know, we're going to do an episode here shortly on progressive Christianity or like liberal Christianity, but this is definitely a thought process and a mentality that is getting into our church. You know, if you watch one of our previous episodes um, where we kind of talk about how churches are becoming more secular, you know, they're the gay church movement is like a real movement coming mm-hmm. across this country. And people like Don Lemon are pushing that narrative that like, you know, if, if God really is love and me and my husband love each other, like then God won't judge us. But like God speaks about homosexuality in the Bible. Like it's only unclear if you don't want to see it, mm-hmm. you know. But people will say, well, God said it. Jesus didn't say it. But then you're saying that the Trinity doesn't matter, like that Jesus isn't God, like they are one. If God said it, Jesus said it. Yeah, that's that like stupid verse or that little quote you probably seen. I remember seeing it with President Jimmy Carter on it. And it was like, nowhere in the Bible does Jesus speak about homosexuality or whatever, something stupid like that, like making the case that homosexuality is okay because Jesus doesn't talk about it. But like... Like you said, if God spoke about it in the Old Testament, then Jesus spoke. They're the same person. And anything that the apostles wrote in the New Testament, is, they got their teachings from Jesus. So if they're writing it about it. inspired by the Holy Spirit, which is God. So it's all the same person telling you the same. So anyway. <laughs> that's nonsense. Um, so we got to keep this thing moving. Go check that article out if you want to have a good chuckle. There was so much more I wanted to say um, on that. <laughs> but we'll move on to this next one. Um, and again, it's our good friend, Don Lemon. Um, keeps putting his foot in his mouth. Um, this one is called Grace, Not Race. Um, and it's from the Christianity Daily. And again, we'll have this link down in the description. But uh, it's basically, I don't have time to really, let me, I'll try to find something to read out of here. Um, he says, if you're a person of faith in this country, and we know America is built on faith and religious freedom, a good way of starting, and he's talking about how you can you know, solve racial issues in this country, and a good way to start is obviously coming to us you know, racist white Christians, right? It's a good place to start. But he says a good way of starting is to present the true identity of Jesus. <laughs> no one knows what that better identity? than What is identity? I know I'm getting ahead of you. <laughs> no, it's fine. His but... identity is not in the color of his skin. Like, why use the word true identity? It is when you're a racist. And Don Lemon is most, almost certainly a racist. Um, so he says, that is a, so he says the true identity of Jesus. 
He says, that is a black or brown person rather than someone who looks like a white hippie from Sweden or Norway. We should start with that and put that in your home, either a black Jesus or a brown Jesus. Jesus looked more like a Muslim or someone who is dark rather than a blonde looking carpenter. And then he goes on to say, when your children ask, who is this? Say, this is Jesus. Jesus does not look like that popular (laughs) depiction we have in our churches and homes. That is a good place to start. So, and then, yeah, basically just going on to tell you that, like, if you can explain to your kids that Jesus was actually a Middle Eastern man, then maybe they won't be racist when they grow up. (laughs) So it's... our fault it's the christian's fault is what he's trying to say for racism that's how i'm yeah i mean obviously christianity is blamed for you know racism when in reality christians aren't racist we're the least racist i mean that's an oxymoron to say because if you're a christian you're not gonna be racist and he did point out obviously we all came from adam yeah this article goes on to touch a little it's more of a rebuttal um, it goes on to talk about Ken Ham, who maybe we can have an art, uh, a topic on Ken Ham someday because I'm pretty sure he's a pretty controversial person in the Christian mm-hmm. movement. But, yeah, he goes on to kind of talk about this grace versus race, right? Like, let's move past this race thing. Yes, it's true. Jesus was a Middle Eastern man. And I don't know who disputes that, really. Like, yeah. do you ever look at a picture on the wall of white Jesus and they go, oh, you know, he's Middle Eastern. And you're like. There's nothing in the Bible that would say that he... My theology is trashed. I thought he was a white (laughs) dude. Like, but I think this is just like a perfect example, just like the last Don Lemon article we get of like such a surface level, like just modern, non-religious person that's like trying to dip his toes into waters that he shouldn't be in. Mm -hmm. Like Don Lemon would do himself well just to be like, I'm like, man, I don't agree with it. I don't like just stop talking about it almost. I know you can't, they stick a microphone in your face, but like and maybe this is a topic for another day too, but like I don't racism doesn't exist in America, in my opinion. Like if you have there might be racists, but we're not a racist country. Like right, if you have right. two or three percent of your country that's racist, we don't have a problem. That's not to a address. problem. Like, it doesn't need to be the media, like yeah, it's not it that big of a deal. But for people like Don Lemon who <laughs> see race everywhere they look, that's how you know a racist. Like, Don Lemon is a racist. Yeah. It's not the white Christian that has a picture of hippie Jesus on their wall. Like, they're not a racist. But it's Don Lemon who sees everything through a lens of racism. Um, who is the problem? So go check this article out, man. It's a good time. Um Pray for Don Lemon. You know, it's easy to make fun of him, but pray for him. He's a homosexual. I doubt he knows Jesus. I doubt he's on his way to heaven. So um, pray for him that he comes to a saving knowledge in Jesus Christ. uh, Because we could use his voice. He does have a platform. So Mm -hmm. anything else here before we wrap this this episode up? No, I just just agree with you that whenever we bring something up, you know, we can laugh at the foolishness and the ignorance, but really all truth, it really comes from God. God has to open his eyes and the eyes of all these people we're probably going to end up talking about and just pointing out the flaws. But yeah, remember to, to pray for them. Yeah. Don't ever take, you know, this stuff you read at face value, um, especially when people start talking about Jesus, get into the word, read it for yourself. 
Um, but we would love to hear from you guys on these topics. Obviously, like, subscribe to the channel. We'd appreciate it. Jump on that Discord link. Um, please, we want to hear from you. And uh, yeah, until next time, guys, God bless. We love you. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.